you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. At least I'm going to assume that those are listening are baseball fans. It'd be a little weird if you're not. Uh, if you are not a baseball fan and you're listening, uh, message me at Draft. I'd be curious to hear why you're listening. The overall feedback on the air conditioner was, wasn't an issue. So if you don't agree with that take, uh, let me know. So I will continue to modify and work from the broadcasting basement down here. For those who are listening for the first time, I am Jeff Ellis. I almost said I am Jeff MLB Draft, and I realized, no, that is not my name. That is my Twitter handle. I am not my Twitter handle. I am a person. But uh, to get back to it, I'm Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, formerly of many a Cleveland sports blog. And I'm going to break this show up into parts today. I was spending some time this morning looking at some minor league box scores, and I thought, you know what? I'll record part of the show. It is 6 o'clock. Eastern time as I record, and I'll just come back in later and talk about how the game went against the Rays, but first, let's talk about some fun performances in the minors. And actually, before I get to that, uh, I want to do a quick shout out. Pat and I, we had some wires crossed this week, it happens, didn't get a chance to have him on, but he has an interview with Trey Harris, go check that out. Some behind the scenes is... I I really, I, I mentioned his name multiple times to Pat. Pat knows knew about Trey Harris. Pat already had Trey Harris on his radar, but I kept kind of needling him because I wanted to hear that conversation. Trey Harris is, if you're not familiar, he's a Braves prospect, a guy who had great production in the SEC and then didn't get drafted. Uh, in the conversation, not to give away too much of his talk, but he said he didn't get a single call. No one even checked in with him, even though he had great production in the SEC comes back as a senior, does it again, and ends up being, again, a pretty late pick, moves quickly through the minors, great talk. I knew that backstory, and my wife was teaching at University of Missouri when he played there. I went to watch that team. That's a team that Cameron Meisner, who was a supplemental pick. You had Tanner Houck, who went in the first round. Trey Harris, I'm trying to remember the uh, the second baseman from Australia, who was like a third or fourth round pick. Glenning, maybe? Uh you know, there's just players all around on that team, but Harris kept drawing my eye in the games I saw him, and I could not figure out why this guy didn't get drafted. Non-traditional body type. Uh, defensive home was a question, but still, guy hits in the SEC. What more do you need? So go check out Pat's series. Remember, you can follow that at tangible underscore uno. Hear his conversation with Trey Harris, Braves prospect. Now let's dig into those box scores. So one of the players I've talked about, uh, ring your bell if you're tired of the Rule 5 chatter, but it's just going to be constant, so I apologize. One of those names by now you should be very familiar with is Cody Morris. Cody Morris is a was a, I believe he was a day three pick. Uh, I do not think he was a day two pick. I think, no, maybe he was a day two pick. Now I'm going to have to look this up as I'm recording. But either way, Cody Morris is a pitching prospect that has definitely, over the past few years, raised his profile significantly coming out of South Carolina. He had been a big body guy with a good fastball, but hadn't done enough. Seventh round pick, so I was wrong at first, but still. He came up and, you know, he just moved steadily through. In 2019, I talked about him a bunch on the podcast as this helium guy that he was really performing well. Zip's projection was really high on Cody Morris, had him amongst the top 100 prospects in baseball heading into this year. He was hurt. 
one of those Akron pitchers who did not pitch at all to start the year due to injury. How's it gone for Cody Moore since he came back? Four starts, 17 in the third innings, 28 strikeouts, an ERA of .52. That's pretty good, I understand. When your ERA is a little over a half, .52, I will take that. If you're curious, two walks in those 17 innings. So he has been uh, electric in terms of production. How did he pitch last night? How did this send me? Oh, I, I also want to point out, if you go to look at the Akron box score, uh, don't think, man, Tyler Freeman fell off. That is Ike Freeman. Tyler Freeman didn't play in this game. I'm not sure. Either he was just added to the seven-day DL or he was just taking off, taking off Tyler was. But either way, that's Ike Freeman, not Tyler Freeman in the lineup, if there's any confusion. What did Morris do yesterday? Five innings, two hits, one walk, no earned runs, seven strikeouts. Yowza, right? Fourth game back. Uh, He needs to be, again, ringing the bell, added the Rule 5 at the end of the year. What a performance by him. What a continued performance in his four starts. He was my helium guy. I talked about him and Ramon Burgos in 2019 as my big helium candidates. Uh, Burgos just has not been able to stay healthy. But Morris is continuing to look really, really good. And obviously, he can't keep this level up. But if he can even approach this, I mean, that's going to be... He's going to be a top-down prospect for me. just because. And the fastball is there. He has the build. He has uh, the ability to be a starter. Chance for mid-rotation. Keep an eye on Cody Morris. We want to know about the other big names in that game. Uh, Will Benson went 0 for 4. Uh, as I mentioned, Tyler Freeman did not play. And then Richie Palacios, the other kind of helium player, the position player with the most helium in system. All he does is go 2 for 3 with a double and steal a base. Yeah, he's playing second base. He's going to be second base only. 299 average, 871 OPS. He doesn't really have power, but he can run and he gets on base. You know, his brother is Josh Palacios, his, uh, who I believe was the player who went to Auburn, if memory serves correctly, and was a relatively high pick. Richie went to Townsend. Overall in the year, 299, 387 on base, 44 slugging. That's really good. Four home runs, 23 doubles in 59 games. That's why his slugging's up there. He uses that speed to get to those doubles. Only nine stolen bases with three caught stealing. Still, uh, Palacios had a game. Morris is the headliner, but Palacios, I I think Richie Palacios has played himself onto the 40-man. Because if you take him off, it's going to be so easy to stash him as a utility infielder for a team. I, he's really interesting. He's got everything... You kind of look for, and he's got high-level production having basically skipped A-ball because of injuries. It's crazy how well he has produced. And then let's talk about Joleski Noel. So there was a doubleheader for Lynchburg yesterday, and Noel did not play in the first game, I want to say. But what did he do in game two while playing third base? He went two for three with two home runs, number seven and eight on the year for Noel. Uh, two home run game. Just wanted to point out he had a two home run game in that one. Uh, you know, other big names. Let's see. In that game, Petey Helpin uh, went 0 for 4. Uh, nobody else. Uh, Escobedo had a home run. Uh, Miguel Cairo had two walks and a hit, reached base three times. That's pretty impressive. And in game one, prospect wise, uh, Escobedo continued to hit. Uh, yeah, I mean, pitching-wise is not as strong down there. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of take a moment and talk about Noel, talk about three players who were Rule 5 eligible who all had really big games, 
And yeah, a lot of it was just like, oh, Cody Morris pitched well. Oh, Cody Morris is pitching really well. Cody Morris is starting. It's worth checking out. I mean, Double A Akron is a lot of fun. Adam Scott's pitching tonight. Not that Adam Scott, the left-hander who is a senior sign. They got more than your typical senior sign money. He's an interesting player to check out. Logan Allen, the younger, or if you just call him Logan T. Allen, is also down there. That Akron rotation is really fun. Go check it out if you have the opportunity. Minor League Baseball is great to support, and it is a lot cheaper than going to a regular game. So just a quick minors report, specifically because I want to talk about Palacios, Noel, and Morris. Our first sponsor of the day is Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar has been a fantastic sponsor for over a year now. They are my go-to for protein bars. I went to the store today, stocked up on all the things. What I did not buy are protein bars because I get those through Built Bar. When you go to BuiltBar.com, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. That's the same savings I get as a repeat customer. Right now, they're giving away free coolers with purchase. They still have some left of the strawberry and orange, which are temporary flavors. I mentioned early in the week, you had like a six-hour window to get the lemon almond cheesecake, and it was gone. Uh, The grasshopper fudge, I ordered three boxes of that for myself. That lasted 24 hours. Whenever there's a deal, you want to be signed up for the mailing list so you know that it's there so you can get it. It is a product that is well-loved. It is a product that I ordered. It is a product I use. Yes, they're a sponsor. Yes, they send me free stuff, but I also use my money to get this product. That is how good Built Bar is. Not only does it taste delicious, it's good for you. It gets an A rating on my health food app. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. Do it for yourself. Don't even do it for me. It's an awesome product. Okay, and uh, now the game is over. Or is it? Am I just recording this, uh, pretending it was, oh, what a tough situation. What a hard loss for the Indians. No, it's over. Uh... Great performance by Cal Quantrell. Let's just start there. Give him his due. Best development for the Indians over the course of this year to me is Quantrell. That's another steady performance for him. He's really looking like a potential another starter for this team, which they need. Uh, The Rays are not an easy lineup, and he gave up one run over six innings. Let me pull up the exact totals in the box. Four hits, three walks, a little bit high on the walks, but you'll take it. They had seven base runners. He only struck out two, got one run across. Uh, Phil Maton comes in and immediately gives one back. And then James Karinchok. Uh, we'll, we're going to devote some time to Karinchok in the third segment. Uh, initially, they came out saying, you know, I don't know why you go to Shaw in the night or in the extra innings because he hasn't been very good and he walks a lot of guys. And the big point with Shaw at this point in time, I'm sorry, I have a cat being annoying, is he is a ticking time bomb. Because you look at the, the luck stats, his bat pip is low, so he's getting lucky on balls put in play. He is, uh, his strand rate is high, which is higher than it should be, so he's getting lucky in leaving runners on base without them getting across. His walk rate is high. Uh, he is just waiting for it to go badly. But as um, former podcast guest Matt Burtz pointed out, it's like, you already got the runner at second if he walks someone. It's not that big of a deal. I guess you have a point there. Uh, I'd almost rather go with Whitgren, honestly. At least he's been a little more successful over the past few years. I mean, Shaw hasn't been terrible. I may be being a little unfair there with Shaw, but I just that that walk rate is, and everything about him. I mean, he's just, I, I don't know what you do. Uh, as I said, uh, Karen Chalk's third segment of the show. We're going to get into all of that, and there's a lot to unpack with Karen Chalk. Uh, who reached base twice in this one? You have Jose Ramirez with a pair of walks and an intentional walk, so three times. And I believe that's our entire list, right? Because nobody else... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Cesar Hernandez did have a walk and a hit. 
Franmil Reyes, 17th home run, breaks that tie with Cesar Hernandez for second on the team. On the other side of things, man, Yandy Diaz. Uh, what a day. A double away from the cycle. Uh, just breaking the Indians back at every turn. Uh, standout performance by Yandy Diaz. I know uh, Mejia also had a big hit, but you know he's he's been a bit up and down this year, and he still has his defensive issues. He was never going to play in Cleveland with the way his defense profiled. But Yandy Diaz, uh, the only only nice thing was Joey Wendell went over five. Uh, I, I wish Wendell well, but when you're facing the uh, Rays and they have three former starters, uh, three former top ten prospects starting, I should say, from the Indian system, uh, that is uh, a little painful to see. Uh, let's see. Uh, I know. Listen, I want to give credit to Bobby Bradley for the walk. I know he got the golden sombrero with the four strikeouts. I know his batting average has been in steady decline. His everything has been steady decline. If he is going to be successful, he needs to walk though. So like, I'm still, I'm not. I don't love his performance, but still good to see the walk. Because if he does not keep that walk percentage up where it is, he's never going to be more than like a 230 hitter. I don't think he's a better hitter than say Carlos Santana was. Uh, who is more of like a 240 guy, 230 guy. Bobby Bradley's a guy, you know, light version of Chris Carter maybe. If you remember that first baseman who could hit like 40 jacks but hit 180, 190. There, there's an outside chance at that. Uh, Bobby Bradley is probably at best going to be a 220 to 230 hitter. So you need those walks for him to stay successful. Uh, he had the walk. Again, it's not the ideal situation. Uh, but uh, trying to find a positive. Uh, Quantrell, again, he is your big positive. The home run by Fran Mill, another big positive. But by and large, I mean, it's just a frustrating game. And then I think something that needs to be talked about and stated is they need, you know, I've always been like, oh, just go with your best reliever, go in high leverage spots. You know, maybe there's something too. We're all creatures of habit. We all like to know what our role is. We like to, I, I know at work, I work with various teachers, and some are, are, you know, more have different expectations than others. And it's just nice to know what the expectation is. And maybe it's the same for these pitchers. Maybe it's just time to say, okay, this guy is the closer, not like, okay, Class A blew a save this week, so now Karen Chalk is the closer till he blows a save. Well, now he blew a save, so now it's going to go back to Class A. Uh, let's just set him in a roll and, and let him go from there. It's, it's an about change for me, but I think it is something that actually. Again, you know, the data-driven part of me says that shouldn't matter. The part of me that is human and not, you know, a robot says it does. Everyone does better when they feel like they know what their expectation is. And for these players, I think they would just do better in that. And, you know, again, my experience with James Karinchak was pre-breakout. He was an entirely different pitcher. Uh, but he was, you know, very much someone who was a high creature of habit. It's a guy who... I mean, if he didn't have the right number of warm-up pitches, it would affect how he would perform. He is such a creature of habit. It's probably better for him specifically if he just knows, has a role, knows it, and can know when he's going to be used and in what situations. So to go back around to Quantrell, I wanted to just bring up his uh, game log. Can we point out that you know his last few games? So we don't, you know, I already talked about today against Oakland, another tough team, five innings, one earned run. Uh, against Kansas City, six innings, three earned runs. It's just been this solid study. They can count on him. When was the last time he gave up more than three runs since he became a starter? Let's let's dive into this one. Um, 
So if I go back three runs against Houston, which is a tough team, Detroit. How about that? The Detroit Tigers, the last team that really touched him up. And that's He had a rough stretch there. I mean, he had the brilliant outing against Pittsburgh. Then the Twins and the Tigers got to him. Since then, he's been settling in. And again, best development for the Indians so far this year in terms of their pitcher development uh, it, at the big league level has been Cal Quantrill. Who are our three stars? Well, Quantrill, obviously. Uh, Franmil Reyes, obviously. And... You know, Jose Ramirez is back, and he reached base three times. That's that's going to get it for me. He also had a stolen base, uh, as did uh, Harold Ramirez in this one. Also, I want to take a moment. Like Harold Ramirez is another bright point for me because I enjoy the fact that he keeps making me look dumb. Uh, his continued it feels like he reaches base at least once a game, every game. I don't know how he does it. He continues to do it, and I appreciate that. But your three stars for me in this one, Jose Ramirez, Framo Reyes, and Cal Quantrell. Let's take a quick commercial break and come back and – Talk about Karen Chalk. Let's go over to Bet Online and see what they think about tomorrow's matchup. Now, if you recall, I was not as high on tomorrow's matchup, but we'll go see what BetOnline.ag, official sponsors of all things betting in lines for Locked On, has to say. Remember, when you go to BetOnline.ag, if this is your thing, why wouldn't you go there? Because using that promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 50% bonus. That's right, 50%. You're not going to hear a higher percent on anything we talk about in terms of sponsorship this year. So they're going down the line. Ooh, they even got some Saturday lines up. They are getting ahead of the game in some regards. Not ahead of the game in terms of the Indians matchups. But we still love our friends over at Bet Online because whatever you want, for the most part, outside of Indians lines today, you're going to find it. Live betting, casino, esports, contests. Let's go see what the contests are right now over. They have a half a million NFL mega contest. A winner-take-all $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. $3,000 Haskell Stakes first and last. Con- well, that one's closed, so ignore that. But they have many, many contests. They have all these awesome things. Go check it out today. That is betonline.ag. The promo code is locked on, and that is going to get you a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Check it out. Before we talk James Karen Chalk, I want to lean into the mic here a little. I want to thank everyone who has been giving me feedback on the show and the sound. I am working with Pat on the sound. I think the general feedback is that uh, when we use Zoom, the sound quality was better than when we used Restream, even though that Restream is the more expensive one. Uh, it's just interesting. We're continuing to work on that. I get a lot of messages about Pat. Pat is working very hard on that. Um, and then on my own sound, I had a great discussion today. I'm sorry I'm blanking on your screen name. Uh, but when there's things like that, yeah, let me know. I'm always willing to work on things. Uh, Andy... DB Seiss, uh, I haven't heard from you in a while. I, I'm still butchering names. Just give up on me. I hope you're still listening. Uh, Zal, same. Let me know you guys are still alive out there. I hope everyone's doing well. Aaron Bachman, yes. Uh, it's been funny seeing Ernie Clement do so much for the Indians with that Virginia tie-in. So let's, let's dig into the negative here. James Karinchok. I mean, just, what, a week ago, I was talking about how he could be arguably the Indians' fourth best trade asset. So over the course of this year... If you look at just since the sticky substance ban, which we talked about in the show, according to the New York Times, uh, fourth biggest change in spin rate, fourth biggest loss in velocity due to change in spin rate. You look at his pre-2018 data, compared. I mean, he's one of those guys who broke out in a big way, which is also one of those things that makes you go, ah. So, but just digging into the data, his hard hit rate over the last month is 10% higher than the entire season. So that entire season set incorporates part of, you know, this last, since that time. I mean, 10% higher than data that incorporates that data. So that means that's just how big 
comparative over these halves. He's getting hit significantly harder. They are picking up and hitting his stuff a lot harder than it was picked up before the 67 span. Uh, he's been incredibly lucky during this time. A bat pip of 176. That's why his ERA is over two, but his FIP is, you know, his ERA is in the two, but his FIP's in the four. Is because he's been incredibly lucky. Uh, that's about 200 points below the average bat pip, which again for pitchers is pretty typically even. That's not one of those that varies. He's been very, you know, if you're thinking over the last month, he doesn't, performance hasn't dictated luck. Well, <laughs> that's kind of where we are. Uh, his... He's been worth zero war, not any. I mean, uh, Sam Henches has been with one war since uh, he, uh, or point one war, I should say. I wish he was worth one war. Point one war, tenth of a war since uh, since the sticky substance ban. But uh, Karen Jock has been a zero value player over that time, and that's been the problem. Like the the command was always going to be an issue, but now he's getting hit harder, and he's not missing bats quite as much and his stuff is getting picked up easier and i don't know what his trade value would be or how much he would have because teams know that i mean everyone knows like it's pretty obvious who was really into the sticky icky and karen chalk you know i have people talking about they could see him you know the way he would do stuff in his glove and i don't know about all that i wasn't paying close enough attention but I mean, he was utterly phenomenal in five innings in 2019, amazing in 2020. This year, he's been not as good as 2020, let's be honest. Uh, but this year, he also, partway through the year, uh, everything shifted. You know, he, he's in a much different situation. So even, like, his home run rate last year per nine was 0.33. This year, it's 1.06. Now, some will say that that's just something that normalizes. It goes up and down. We'll see. His walk rate is actually down, but his strikeout rate is down as well this year compared to a year ago. His, uh, you know, there's there's all the little things, and it all points out to a guy. I mean, he could be a, a solid reliever. I don't know if he is going to be, you know, if Class A and Karen Chalk is going to be the Nasty Brothers 2.0, which is what we thought at one point in time. Uh, but, yeah, right now... You know, he has the blown save. Uh, I, again, you know, just he is such a creature of habit from my interactions in the minors. You know, people can change. It was like three, four years ago. Maybe it's different, but I think he would really thrive just knowing either I'm the eighth or I'm the ninth inning guy. I think sometimes you have to think about personalities. That's A. And then B, I, I think he's almost untradeable now because you have to see if he can normalize his value. Nobody really knows what he is. I mean, it's clear that he you know took advantage of the sticky situation and now he doesn't have that and he hasn't been as good so how good is he um and then when you acquire him he he doesn't go out of his way to be controversial but he has had some controversial moments throughout the past few years i know there are going to be people saying that you're only saying that um because of you know he's uh Oh, how do I say this? So I'll get myself in trouble on, on any level with anyone. Uh, different people have rights to different beliefs. His beliefs tend to go on more of the deeper end of some views. Um, you know, he's someone who will not be getting vaccinated probably ever. To, and if you're someone who doesn't, you know, I have no control over someone else's body. Uh, I'm not going to get into the humor of that statement right now. 
But yeah, with my lack of control over anyone else, if they're not going to make that choice, I can only make choices for me. But when you look at kind of the way things go, that view and some of his statements that come out or things that have come out with him have led to a little extra uh, issue with some on Twitter, let's be honest. So there is that. He's not the cleanest of profile. Honestly, if you're getting a guy, you either want like Fernando Tatis or you want nothing that's that's going to be off-putting to parts of your fan base. So yeah, it's it's a minor ding because there are parts of the fan base that he would be not their favorite, uh, just like it is now. And then there's the issue with the sticky substance, and then there's the curious about who exactly is he as a pitcher. So I think he went from you know potentially a trade piece to, and they have to just see what they have. I don't think they know what they have right now. So. Yeah, we'll have to check back in with James Karen Chalk. Do another Karen Chalk talk. I just, I don't know what to make of him in terms of, I mean, maybe he's just unlucky. Maybe it's a bad month. Uh, the spin rate change, along with the fact that, you know, this was a player who, he was a 10th round pick for a reason. Coming out of Bryant University, ninth round pick was Jesse Berardi out of St. John's. Uh, I like both picks. He did get full slot, but that's, I mean, that's typically a senior sign round. He fell because of control concerns they moved into the pen and you know he progressed fine through the minors but he was never even like a top 30 prospect until the year the year where everything changed uh which was you know when he made his debut back in 2019 and that's that year was a separator for him compared to the years before it you go back to his you know 2018 year uh, he was fine but he was not the monster he became uh, and when you look at that data, I mean, in Akron that year, in 10 innings, he had a negative FIP. I didn't know you could have a negative FIP. According to this, you know, he was so good, he, he shouldn't have given up any runs. He should have had negative runs given up. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, but it's very clear that he got some assistance between those two years. And we'll have to see what comes of it. So let's, now that I've uh, probably alienated some of the fan base, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you love him. I'm sorry if you think I'm being overly critical. I just, the data shows there's something more going on there. I'm going to leave it at that. Nelson Cruz, twins trade him away. So let's discuss this at the end of the show here because uh, we can't not talk about this. I mean, one of the greatest hitters of the last 10 years. Nelson Cruz is a personal favorite just because he got such a late start relative to everyone else. I got to go look up the exact year. Like, I remember when he was a, what, a Milwaukee uh, Brewers prospect who went to the Rangers before he got a chance. In my mind, it started with uh, the, yeah, I was right, Brewers to the Rangers and never played in 100 or more games until his age 28 year. So currently 40 years old, an all-star again, but he didn't get to the, I mean, before that he had eight games, 41 games, 96 games, 31 games. And by the way, in that 31 game year in 2008, he had 330, 421-609. So he was showing some performance. It's going to be interesting to see how long he keeps going. He's 40 and he's still hitting. I mean, I'm just very curious to see how that continues with Nelson Cruz. Going from the Twins, he's going to be, I believe, a free agent again. I think he's been signing one-year contracts with them. Yes, one-year contract for $13 million. $13 $13 million is a great deal, by the way. So Tampa Bay on for roughly half of that. Tampa Bay trades two pitchers. Uh, Drew Stotman, who is on their 40-man. Another St. No, he's not a St. Mary's pitcher. It's just It should be a good chance to be a... Uh, he's going to pitch in the big leagues. I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I don't know if he's going to be a reliever. But he is someone who will pitch in the big leagues at some point in time. 
Joe Ryan is another St. Mary's arm. We've talked about Corbin Burns. We talked about Kai Bush uh, in this last draft. Uh, the Yankees have Ken blinking on his last name. I believe leads like he's top three in the entire minors and strikeouts. Another St. Mary's arm. St. Mary's is a factory. Joe Ryan is a really interesting guy. Uh, had some great data, but one of those pitchers that uh, was like a later day two pick didn't he? He did miss bats. Didn't walk anyone. Really good, like in, you know, indicator numbers. Moves steadily through the system. He's up to AAA. And he should be a starter next season for the Twins. I really like that. That's He's a high-value piece. And Cruz, I think, was in demand. I think that's why the Rays had to pay what they did. But the other part of this is the Rays are under a 40-man crunch, just like the Indians. The Rays are under a 40-man crunch almost every year, thanks to their depth and the depth of their roster. They traded a guy already on the 40-man. So when they trade Cruz out, that's also a one-for-one right there. So they had that in mind. that They had to trade someone already on their 40-man as part of their deal. Joe Ryan would have had to have been added at the end of the year, so it saves them a spot as well. So they, they did a two-for-one here. And if, you know, I think they anticipate not re-signing Cruz, so that then opens two 40-man spots. And a team like the Rays, I think, is thinking about that. They're thinking that far ahead of time. They intentionally made that trade, knowing the situation that they're in. So, again, you got to be smart about it. you got to think about it. you got to figure those uh, things out. And the Rays are going all in. Uh I don't think the Indians and Rays are a natural fit because, again, uh, but I think both teams are teams that are under a crunch. So I, I know people ask me about that, uh, various ideas for Rays trades. I just think they're two teams that are both looking to trade uh, 40-man prospects uh, for help, so I, I don't necessarily see anything happening. But Cruz, I, they, that's a significant improvement to that lineup. Uh, DH has been kind of a revolving door, and they're getting one of the best in the game. Ray's team's going to be tough, and uh, like I said, I really like the trade, and then I like what the Twins got. I mean, that is high value. They're getting likely two guys who could pitch for him next year in the big leagues. Uh, not as high on the secondary piece, but I think Ryan is an underrated prospect. He is a fantastic get by himself, and then you know they got a pitcher who was already on the 40-man. I think a big part of his addition, again, he's good enough to be on the 40-man, and I think He'll pitch for probably the Twins this year. Uh, Andrew, why am I blanking on, like, Statman, Strotman. Uh, this, this is what happens when you record top of your head. But, yeah, the Twins made a good trade. The Rays made a good trade. The Twins have needed pitching forever. Uh, they went out and got some in the draft. Now that pitching is a long way away. But they also went out and just traded for some. They could help them kind of flip the script, hopefully, for them for next year. If you're an Indians fan, you're hoping not for next year. But, yeah. Something, uh, I, trades are fun, they're exciting. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review, download daily. Our numbers are going up all the time. Thank you to the fantastic fans giving me feedback uh, on Twitter. Anything else? You know, I know Nathan, I saw you sent me an email. I'll get to it next week. But I love the interaction. I love the help with the things like the sound and just general ideas. I'm thinking of putting up some egg carts in the basement. If anyone has any other ideas, I am. I don't want to call it the podcast dungeon, but if you see some of the Locked On Nows, it does have a little bit of a dank basement look to it. So uh, I'm going to try some things. I'm going to try to get the sound improved down here, but I want to thank everyone who helps with interactions, ideas, and all of that. Uh, remember, again, to rate and review, download daily. It really does help. All, if every person downloaded every single day, uh, it would like quadruple the numbers. They, they say that most people only download twice a week, so if everyone did it every day, it'd be huge. 
But again, I've been Jeff Ellis. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.